Hey there, everybody. It's Kevin with The Niche Movement, and this is the How I Found a Job That I Love podcast. Something a little bit unique that we're going to be doing with this podcast, hopefully over the next handful of months, is we uh, we gave the opportunity to our close to 30 contributing editors, the, the people that, that blog and share their career advice and tips to our, uh, our blog and to our website, we gave them the opportunity this summer to, to share their story uh, or be a co-host. And so the next two episodes you're about to listen to, uh, this first one uh, specifically, is with one of our editors, Dustin Ramsdale. And Dustin is a good, good friend of mine. Our paths crossed when I was working at Rutgers University somewhere probably around 2012. And, and the funny thing is we flipped the script here for this interview. So he, there's been plenty of times, I think at least three or four times where he has interviewed me for his uh, two different podcasts. And now I finally have the chance to interview him. And one of the reasons we're interviewing him is to provide some context to you as the audience to, to introduce him because we're going to work on some ways that Dustin can use the Niche Movement podcast as a platform to interview other young professionals and other people doing really cool stuff that have found their niche in their career, as well as uh, hopefully uh, cross promote and share some different snippets, mashups, and actual podcast episodes from, from his work, specifically on Higher Ed Geek. So if you check out Higher Ed Geek uh, on either Instagram, Twitter, or website, uh, you'll find everything that Dustin's up to. So let me give you the formal uh, background about Dustin here that he's provided to me. And this is really unique because uh, again, this interview you're gonna listen to, we recorded back in, uh, I think it was late June or July, right around July 4th. And some some great things for Dustin has transpired and I'm gonna, up, and I'm gonna give you his updated bio here. Uh, so listen, Dustin Ramsdale is a proud geek and higher ed professional. He's a blogger and podcaster, as I just alluded to. Uh, but the cool thing is he he loves, loves, loves craft beer. I would highly recommend following him on Instagram or Twitter as him and his wife can tell you all the cool craft beer sites probably up and down the East Coast. Um, is a big, big lover of movies. I know that for a fact. He's always out going to see uh, movies and reviewing them. And, and I think most importantly, deep conversations, which is what we, we have here uh, over the next hour. Um, so at the time of this interview, Dustin was working at as a student success advisor at 2U. And, and 2U is uh, kind of like an ed tech startup, although they, they've been around for, for a while. And uh, he, was, uh, he was working there for close to two year anniversary when we, when we recorded this. But since then, since uh, the last two months, he's taken a job and started a new job at Noodle Partners. And his new title is Student Affairs Lead, Supporting Student Outcomes and Providing Access to Digital Education. So I haven't really had a chance to sit down with Dustin since our interview, but it's very, very similar from what I can understand. Similar work that aligns to, to what he's passionate about that he's doing here at Noodle Partners uh, and what he was doing previously at 2U. Um, the other cool opportunity I saw he uh, just had come his way is he's also joined a good friend and fellow colleague of mine in the in the digital space, Josie Alquist. I'd highly recommend any higher ed leaders out there or aspiring leaders to check out her work and her podcast. Um, but she's he's joining Josie's team as um, podcast producer and editor. Um, so that's really cool. And again, that's a little bit more of his side hustle aside from higher ed geek and his full time job. A little bit of education background about Dustin. He did graduate from the University of Delaware in 2012 with a bachelor's degree in history 
And then again, where our pass cross was from uh, Rutgers University, where he graduated in 2014 with a master's degree in student affairs. Um, I love doing this because we were in person. Uh, some of these interviews we do uh, are either at large events where there's a lot of things that are going on that are hectic, uh, or we do these virtually through Skype. But this one, Dustin and I got to sit down at the WeWork uh, Apollo down on M Street in Washington, DC. And uh, the reason for that is because uh, he gets to work a little bit remotely uh, in his job. So um, he currently resides in Baltimore, Maryland with his wife, Jen, and their, their nice little dog, Chelsea. But he came down to DC this one afternoon this summer and we jammed for about uh, 40 to 60 minutes here, which you're gonna hear pretty much the full unedited podcast. Listen, we start out typical stuff. Where where Dustin grow up? Where How did he become a student leader? What was her step, his steps from going to, to University of Delaware to then Rutgers going right into his master's degree? We definitely spent a good chunk of what to you and, and the traditional, what did, what's ed tech and what is it like to work for kind of a higher ed or student affairs adjacent tech company. But the really big things why I want to pull Dustin is, is I love what he's been doing with his personal branding because you think personal branding, you think, well, yeah, I need to do that if I'm working for myself. But Dustin really has harnessed specifically podcasting to grow his brand. And we get into a lot of that at the end. Uh, again, we talk a lot about kind of reinventing or the future of higher ed as well. So I think a lot of you folks out there will be interested in that. But then we have him answer a handful of uh, rapid fire fun questions, which I know we had a fun time listening to his, to his answers as we were editing this. So again, Dustin's a great friend, great supporter of the niche movement and really is out there to help other young professionals find their work that they love since he has done that for himself. So any way that you uh, wanna connect with him or hit him up, uh, by all means, he is super accessible on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, by shooting me a, a message on his uh, website as well. So let's get right into it. Here is the interview with Dustin Ramsdell, hired geek and current uh, new staff member at Noodle Partners. I will officially kick this off. Uh, Dustin, thank you so much for, you're bringing me out of retirement. And I don't even mean podcast retirement because you're the podcast expert, <laughs> but I'm talking about like, interviewing cool young professionals that right. love what they yeah. freaking do. And I say out of retirement, I thought about this on a ride here this morning is, I think it was like September 27th of last year. So over nine months ago when I interviewed a good friend, Mary, that works at HBO. So like I haven't done a, tra a, a traditional niche movement interview via live audience or podcast Damn. in nine months. So thank you for bringing me out of retirement. <laughs> I'm honored, yeah. <laughs> and I think what people should know is, and this is what I love about you um, from us kind of crossing paths at Rutgers and now three, four years later out after our Rutgers life is I sent in an email from our niche movement newsletter, I think three, three weeks ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And you were one of two or three people that responded for what we're up to, which I'll get to here in a second to let everybody know. And, and I love the fact that like the interest email, phone call. And now I think we talked even less than a week ago. And it was like, yeah. let's just make this happen yeah. uh, before 4th of July, after 4th of July. <laughs> and next thing you know, it's like yeah. Labor Day. Yeah. So I love the fact it's like, Hey, let's, this is going to work. Do we have an hour? Let's do it. And uh, for those of you listening, we are uh, on the we're right here in downtown Washington D.C. at a WeWork. Dustin's coming down from Baltimore, where he works, into you. But so we were able to make this work. It wasn't like I flew to him or he flew to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but that's kind of so I, I love that. So thank yeah. you for 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 being on and bringing me on retirement. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, yeah, I've just been a 
fond follower of yours for a while so i'm happy to have the uh opportunity i know we've like talked for podcasts in the past and stuff so i always know they're uh really good conversation so excited yeah, to be here cool um so listen as i alluded to you dustin and to our, our followers or, or people listening there's there's four or five six topics i want to talk about and one of the things and, and i feel like we'll get to this towards the end of the podcast is you have really harnessed creating your digital reputation and branding yourself as the higher ed geek but what i love is is and maybe you're going to tell me this today, like you do want to work for yourself someday, but you have been working full time. You have your side hustles. But uh, I see a lot of people that have great digital reputations and brands because they have to because they work for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you and I can think of a handful of people. But I guess what I want to start with is is where does this well, we'll get back you know, into more of your traditional background. But where did this idea of hmm, I'm going to start a brand, I'm going to do this. Like, Where did this start? Was it? undergrad graduate school was it with more of this podcasting coming about because i feel like you've been doing it for a handful of years yeah yeah um because yeah i started the higher ed geek blog in 2013 uh, when i was in grad uh, grad school at Rutgers, and they had a really cool program i believe they're still doing maybe in just a different fashion but they had Rutgers geek week and it was just celebrating being you know just unabashedly passionate about the things that you're into whatever that is um, certainly, you know, traditionally, that's kind of like a, you know, entertainment comics, like all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, celebrates science, celebrates, you know, being crafty and um, all those sort of things. So it was just all these people doing really cool stuff. And I was inspired by that example um, and got advice that <laughs> there's hardly anything unique anymore. And if to kind of strive to distinguish yourself, kind of matching up what you're into and that kind of creates something that didn't exist before. So you're not obviously like literally creating something completely brand new it's just like oh I, you know i'm a person who works in higher ed really have an interest in that mm-hmm. and i'm a geeky person i've always been that way you know played video games my whole life and i was just like okay like initially a lot of what i was writing was just like looking at higher ed through a geeky lens and that was just a lot of the blogs that i wrote and then um around that time i also was starting um, the student affairs collectives podcast which i did for like two and a half years um so that really put you on the map i feel like yeah yeah i I mean i appreciated that opportunity because yeah i think it it those things happening around the same time i think were just really beneficial to me um that one or the other maybe you know they uh, maybe would have had the same effect but would have just been like oh you're just the host of that show like or oh you're just that guy that has that blog or something it allowed me to kind of distinguish myself and put that voice out there and um yeah that's kind of how it came about and i mean it's definitely evolved a lot from that time um to where i now have my own show that i've been trying to grow um it's not even been a year yet um that i've had that but um yeah just always i think the north guiding star was always just trying to like create content about the things that i'm thinking about and try and like you know distinguish myself and put myself out there and kind of add my my own unique flair and voice and stuff so it's definitely a lot for yeah like you know, there's different things, putting myself out there, putting myself on the map and connecting with a lot of great people and mm-hmm. having good conversations. I think just adding a good level of like discourse to the field, you know, is sort of always my goal too, just trying to get conversations started and stuff. So um, I think that's at least always been true to it. But um, yeah, it's definitely changed a lot over time. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get into higher ed geek, the blog and the podcast a bit later. And, and, and I know you're up to over double digits and, and things like that, but um, let's start out because I'm I'm curious. You know, we met I think in 2013 ish um, when you were a grad student at Rutgers. But uh, I don't know much about you were in Maine and what brought you down closer to the, mm. the Mid Atlantic. But t- 
Tell me a little bit about your, whether your childhood or just Maine and, and why you kind of worked your way down to the University of Delaware for, grad, for, for undergrad and stuff. But yeah, I mean, yeah, so it's been kind of like a windy path. Um, so yeah, undergrad was University of Delaware, graduated uh, 2012. Uh, definitely knew I was going to grad school and was applying in my senior year for higher ed programs. Ended up at Rutgers. It felt similar enough, but different enough. And, you know, I had a residence life experience that I was looking for there. Um, and I met my uh, future wife uh, when I was at Rutgers. And that was kind of what, uh, I mean, I always think about like alternate universes and, you know, what different paths might have happened. But, sure. you know, I, I, I was born in Maine. My whole extended family is up there. My mom moved up there while I was in grad school. Um, so on one hand, I, I think maybe that's how I like talk myself into it. It made a certain amount of sense. Like my wife... Uh, you know, just my girlfriend at the time was going to grad school in Maine for her own higher ed program. And I was applying to stuff from Maine down to like DC. And was that just coincidence that Jen landed in Maine for her, for her graduate degree? Yeah, yeah. Graduate I mean, degree? she applied a lot of different places. I mean, she applied at Rutgers. She applied at, um, man, stuff up and down the East Coast. And there was just something to her about it. And I don't know if, again, it was like subconscious that like, yeah. she was like, oh, maybe this would be good just yeah. for, you maybe know, from there and of like, you know, if I was going to go anywhere, not here, you know, where would my, you know, partner want to go to or something, but that's speculating. I don't know. But, um, so yeah, she made that decision in like February of, uh, so I guess that was, um, 2014. Yep. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try and, you know, get as close to you as I can. And luckily found a job right near University of Maine um, at Husson University, which is a small private university up there and worked for two years as a resident director. And that was kind of just like, okay, home base while you're in your grad program. Like eventually she kind of, you know, uh, my wife, uh, Jen kind of soured on it. Um, Like we got engaged while we were in Maine right before she graduated. We were like, okay, this is definitely, you know, this is definitely our thing. Uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to be sticking together here. So she definitely wanted to be closer to like the mid-Atlantic. And we were both just applying, kind of a dual job search. It was a whole other thing. Um, it's always fun in higher ed. <laughs> yep. I mean, and, yeah, it was like there's plenty of schools, but that's almost like part of the problem. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah, we're both applying to things. And I just had this really great opportunity come up at CU. I was looking for something a little bit different. And that is what brought us down to kind of the greater DC area. And it was kind of a whirlwind where, um, you know, she was graduating in May, uh, beginning of April, I was interviewing and they had a really quick turnaround. They wanted somebody to start really quick. And I was just like, Oh, this seems you know too good to pass up and it kind of puts us where we want to be and yep. all that. So, um, it was like a whirlwind month of getting hired and being like, okay, I guess we're moving. And I like booked an Airbnb for a week and went down, <laughs> confirmed stuff for an apartment threw all our stuff in the apartment and flew back up for Jen's graduation. And then wow. I came back, she drove down with more stuff and like, so that was, and it's something we can maybe talk more about. Like I've realized I do struggle sometimes with those transitions, but sure. knowing that I've always been able to figure it out, like it's hard, but you know, you learn stuff through that process and having that flexibility to kind of follow good opportunities or kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of go uh, and make, the kind of life that you want for yourself. Cause I know for me, like it was really important to be near my partner while yeah. she was in grad school. Like if I was, you know, in Delaware or something and she was in Maine, like that just would have been really hard. It so much tougher. Yeah. Any long distance, whether it's a plane ride, a right. car ride. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've both made those kind of decisions and it, you know, again, we've been able to figure it out. It's been tough, but um, it's just allowed for, I think definitely this move allowed for a lot of great opportunities just so many more like events yeah. and stuff going on you know just being you know in or near a city like we lived outside dc for like a year and a half now we live in baltimore 
and still all this stuff's just within arm's yep. reach and just being able to do stuff like this and um yeah so it's been uh that's been kind of the thing but i think yeah it was always just kind of seeing where the wind takes us and uh you know just doing our best to kind of manage those uh transitions yeah, and stuff. i'm sure yeah. it's 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 uh, anybody that's whether you're in a relationship or not you have to have conversations with yourself up here uh you have to have conversations with your partner and just kind of like sometimes just like okay uh the wind's blowing that way this feels good uh let's pull the band-aid and just do it and, and just embrace it right <laughs> right yeah so exactly. you you kind of gave um a nice little five ten minute kind of uh, nice packaged version of, of your last eight, 10 years, I would assume. But um, what got you into student affairs? Like what made you say, all right, I'm going to graduate from University of Delaware. Instead of doing a traditional job search, which a lot of us think of when we are leaving student affairs, a lot of us, a lot of college students don't realize, like I know Courtney and I, my wife, didn't. we didn't realize that, oh, you can go back and work at a college and not be a professor. Right. Uh, right. So I guess what got you into the student affairs yeah. world yeah i mean for good it, or for bad <laughs> yeah i mean i i think yeah it's it's interesting that you framed it that way because i think it was a little bit both of kind of like push and pull so i was an ra for two years at university of delaware really enjoyed that experience gave me a lot of confidence of you know i'm still kind of you know just a little anxious shy you know kind of introvert and that kind of thing yep. it allowed me to have confidence that you know kind of the better version of yourself it's not as if like oh you're wrong and you need to be something different it's like who i am is good and i can improve upon that and that's valuable as part of teams and stuff mm -hmm. i always feel like i've kind of been that, that black sheep and stuff but i was a history ed major about to go into my senior year of student teaching and it just didn't feel right and that was kind of like the negative part of it, it was just like i don't know what i'm gonna do and the summer i was working at ud with one of their summer programs the summer before my senior year and I just had to make that kind of hard call where I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going this path. I'm going to use my senior year to apply to graduate programs, take the GED and, or GRD, GRE, yeah. um, <laughs> acronyms. Yep. Um, yeah. And, you know, take that exam, get that done, apply to programs, interview and everything. Um, and yeah, it just it kind of came together where, um, I had good mentors that were able to guide me through that process because it was just like, oh, I'm curious. And like my supervisors were graduate uh, students in the University of Delaware's now shuttered a higher ed program. But I think it was just that idea of like, I gained so much from my experience. Again, the wind was kind of blowing that way where it's like, this could be an opportunity. I could have been like, yeah, you know what? Now I'm going to stick with the plan that I have or just graduate and kind of just keep a, you know, service job somewhere, you know, just kind of like, you know, maybe be a bit more wayward uh, for a while or something, but yeah. I just, I, I guess I knew I wanted a little bit more structure and direction and just how much I gained in confidence and communication skills and teamwork and just, you know, getting stuff done and all that. I was like, yeah, I, I want to keep this going. I continue to grow in graduate school and yeah, I think just continuing like broadly working within higher ed. I think that's always been my North star is just like, I think it's very different now with what I'm doing, but just very much always being focused on the student, providing them a good experience because I know just being in school in whatever form or shape it takes is a really valuable experience to grow and learn. So just being able to like scaffold that and just, you know, I don't know. It's like, I, I don't have a lot of ego in the sense that yeah. I, like, I need to be like best friends with all my students and be like, I'm in there. It's like, <laughs> you know, I will be in, you know, I always say like, I'm happy to be like the person behind the curtain, you know, pulling all the strings. Sure, so that's like, yeah, the wizard. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, pay no attention to the person behind the curtain. Cause it's like, yeah, like I 
want the students to be able to have their experience. A very seamless experience, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah. about them. Yeah, it's yeah. like you all have fun. You connect with each other. Yeah. You learn. You're yeah. doing it. Like, yeah, and you're facilitating. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of I guess yeah what was like the gravitational pull to like get yeah. into higher ed is just be like if I can help with that I'd be more than happy to because I gain so much and I think that's like certain people that leave you know it's like this idea like I feel like I've kind of paid my debt like I, I gained sure. so much from my experience I put a lot of emotion and work mm -hmm. in and that was kind of where I was at of like going to TU I was just like I, I, I just want something different and like I got something very yeah. different in TU which has been pretty cool yeah. I think student affairs you know for a majority of the people that I meet from a personality and development side I feel like when you hear about it whether you're 22 and graduating or or, or 23 24 like whatever age you find it I think you know a lot of people think like oh you're gonna you're gonna develop as a human being you're gonna blossom as this person know everything about yourself in four years of college and sometimes like you graduate and that's not the case you're still like I know for me and I think you've alluded to like I really didn't get I feel like I didn't come out of my shell and start really feeling out who I was like the end of my junior year then senior year and then even I'm like I'm not set up to be in the marketing corporate world uh, and I, I think I was gravitated towards like wow you could it's almost like a extended college vacation and you can kind of get paid you also learn uh, for those of you that go to graduate school programs you can get it for free or, or reduced cost mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then I think when you do get into the real real world of like a full-time job at a, a university that could be politically charged or tight on resources you start to really kind of I think open the hood and be like okay there's some things I do differently mm -hmm. uh, and and I think that the spigot gets very tight at the top and so the room for promotion and growth and and you, especially if if a majority of your other friends are in the traditional and I hate to even use the c word the corporate world but like just more traditional jobs where you know I remember our friend uh, my wife and our, our friend Julie like she was working in a hotel tourism and she was getting promoted like every six nine twelve months and, and again I don't know if money came along with that but we were like what are we doing? We're still like a coordinator and we're 26, 27, 28. Yeah. Uh, so I think, um, so, so you went to Rutgers uh, and I want to just make sure because my MacBook freaked out on me here. Um, so you went, to, you went to Rutgers for two years. Then you went back up to Maine, worked there. And then what was your first time that you ever heard of, of 2U? I stumbled across something on a, um, like a friend's Facebook page. They, it was like, I don't even think it was somebody that I was friends with. It was like just sharing something. I saw it and I was like, oh, interesting. Just bookmarked it and didn't really, like, it was just like, so I was in the job search mode. I was like, okay, this could be a good opportunity. So when was that? Was that towards the end of Jen's uh, graduate program? Was that like 2015? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, she graduated 2016. So it was probably like December or January. Yeah. And I didn't even apply until like March, April. And then it was like this world, you know, they fast tracked it for sure because, I think the timing of things, they just wanted to, it was either going to like happen right that moment or be delayed a month or so yeah. just because of like budgeting and like the, the company meeting that I was able to go to because I was able to get in quickly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it just was very happenstance, stumbled across it, wasn't searching for it. And I mean, it's, it's only been around for 10 years and I've now been working like 10 years this year. I've been working there for two years. So it's wild when I was thinking the other day, it's like, I've been here for like one fifth of the time that this company has been here. Yeah. Like it's grown so quick. And like when I'm looking at, you know, my floor of colleagues that are also in student success, like a lot of those people started in my time because like yeah. a lot of programs have grown or launched or, you know, anything like that. So it's, it's been uh, very interesting. Yeah. It's like this, this thing now has been like the, the one job that I've held the longest that I just didn't even know existed 
you know, two years ago and yeah. just kind of like stumbled into, but it's just very much broadened, you know, my horizons in terms of, because I, what, what I was thinking of when you were talking about like, you know, get in and out of higher ed or anything, it's like, cause I think it can apply to, you know, when you're in college, any major, any, any sort of career you might pursue is like sure. what I've gained. I think a lot, or like a big thing that I've gained from to you is just like the transferability of skills. Like I've never done work like this before. It's kind of like academic advising essentially and like um, success coaching. Yeah. But like I helped students with things a lot. You know, it wasn't like the formal part of my role, but students would ask advice about things and any role mm -hmm. that I've had before. And also just like understanding how higher ed works. But then it's like any other, you know, because we have people that come into to you from a lot of different backgrounds and majors mm -hmm. and work and stuff. So it's just like, for one, for me, I'm a higher ed person. It's, you know, I, I feel like that's, where I'll be for the foreseeable future, but just like appreciating how many other different kind of things you can do in that and not mm -hmm. just a campus-based role in traditional like functional areas or whatever. And also just like the value of your own skills, whatever they are, I think they're a lot more transferable than people yeah. might think and like yeah. not feeling like you're stuck in something like that can be, that was just sort of something that I thought about because that's definitely my path, but it's not exclusive to people who went through like higher ed programs, sure. it, you know? Sure. So, yeah. Um, I have two kind of off script questions. Um, one, what was your very first impression to you? So whether it was from a, something you saw on Facebook, a website visit, a job description, the interview, the first day, like what was your first impression that mean you said, hmm, yeah, all right, let's move eight hours south from Maine and let's, <laughs> right. you know, let's kind of figure this whole dual search. Like what made you, what was your first impression that we're like, all right, I'm, I'm gravitated towards this. It was the funniest thing. I think they have, I think they've changed it now. I'm sure it's still out there somewhere. Um, they just had this like quirky, funny little like recruiting video that's on like the careers page. I think I've seen it. Yeah. And it just like, I was like, all right, cool. Like, cause I think that was a way because I didn't know anybody that worked there. You know, I've now referred some people, you know, and I talked to people about it a lot and we, we get a lot of people that come to the company through referrals but I didn't have that. So like that was what I had to go on. And it's, it's this kind of cheesy thing, but like it works and just, I haven't seen again, my world. I haven't seen like a lot of schools do stuff like that or like, you know, I don't know. So like that, that helped. And then they, the idea, once I started interacting with somebody like one of the recruiters from the company, it was quick, it was efficient, it was casual, it worked like, and I was just like, whoa all right like total opposite i'm sure a lot of the hired people <laughs> that you and i pull into this podcast episode of like months right sometimes a year right which is often or like, failed searches yeah. like, oh are you still interested right or yeah, you and i talk about and this is a whole other topic we'll do for another episode but go, getting ghosted that drives right. me nuts, but yeah. we're not gonna go down it's, that rabbit yeah <laughs> the worst yeah so and it felt like it yeah. felt like all right there is a, they want to move fast there's actual people human beings behind this and it's not just a bunch of red tape or like yeah what um what would you say? So I'm gonna get even a little bit further into like what to you is now like celebrating your two year university. But the, the other sidebar question I had that I thought of is the transferable skills. So again, whether it's people from like I'm thinking of leaving student affairs in higher ed, or I'm thinking of leaving finance to going to work for a nonprofit or nonprofit to go work for government or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, any tips on like people transitioning that are like, well, I do have transferable skills. How do I sell myself? And and whether it's on a black and white two page resume whether it's through an interview, whether it's through networking, like what, what would be any of your tips? Yeah. Um, I think good advice that I've gotten and I, I guess I haven't necessarily like 
I just know it's people that I trust that would know better about recruiting stuff. Um, and, you know, from their perspective, I think they want to see what are kind of like the outcomes of the work that you do. So if it, like any job is going to have like some sort of capacity of like, I was like overseeing this number of customers or students or whatever and achieved this much growth or this much satisfaction, you know, like those, you know, it's people can understand that that's translatable, that's transferable. It shows that you can improve upon something. You can grow something, you can start something. Um, and you know, that might, it doesn't really matter like what it is necessarily. Cause those are like the skill sets that, you know, anybody is looking for, you know, whatever the job kind of demands, but, um, yeah. And I guess just in that, like specificity is something that I've gotten a lot to where it's not just saying like, you know, I oversaw a team of mm-hmm. employees to do work you know it's kind of because like, it's like sometimes yeah. people just do well, it so generic general. speak in a lot of resumes right because a lot of people right. are googling like top 10 phrases to put on my resume or they're they're carbon copying resumes from their mentors and 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 from career centers and you got to get very yeah specific and unique yeah. like quantifying yeah i yeah, think it's just because yeah, it's like it shows yeah. like oh wow like it was this many people yeah. for this amount of time that uh, yeah. did this kind of work and achieved these outcomes and right. yeah. yeah so that that i think again that can translate whatever you're doing now Try to yeah. package it in that way, yeah. serve it up, and yeah. you know, again, hopefully they understand. Or just like, because that's what sometimes I worry about. It's like it's such a chaotic process. Yeah. It's like you still just have to do everything within your control to put your best self out there. Because um, yeah, there could be a lot of other like mitigating variables, but um, you certainly can control for those if you're like really putting your best self out there, like quantifying your work in a yeah. really clear way. What um, and I'm sure. We're, we're halfway, maybe halfway through our episode, and I've probably already done this in the intro. But what is, give me the elevator's pitch. What is to you? Yeah. Because it's higher ed adjacent, right? Higher ed yes. tech, would you say? Or? Yes. Uh, sort of a software as a service company. Most people are probably aware of companies like that. Um, but yeah, it's just partnering with universities all across the country and all across the world to help deliver um, this really like world class digital education. So that's both at this time online graduate degree programs with universities like American University, NYU, uh, University of Southern California, um, Rice University. And then um, also, since we've now acquired a um, another company, Get Smarter, we do short courses and certificates. Um, and just, yeah, just really covering a broad range of, um, kind of content areas and stuff. So we're, yeah, what we're kind of offering is that software and the tech and the platform. We also do kind of like the marketing recruitment yeah. for the programs. And then what I do, student success, helping the students through yeah. the program and doing like career services support, the technical support. Um, so we're offering a pretty full suite of services to a university to kind of augment their brand to put it into the digital yeah. space um, to where otherwise they would have to do all the upfront investment and build something. Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah, we're um, and I think the category within kind of like higher ed tech is like an online program management company. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're definitely... A lot more than that because something else that distinguishes us is like doing placement for like uh, education programs and social work programs so wherever that student is we have placement specialists that will be able to find a clinical placement for that student to do their counseling stuff so it's like super unique stuff and very much uh what i appreciate kind of leading the wave of like digital Mm -hmm. education um, in higher ed so i'm hearing you say and from the insight i've gained from from to you meeting other people and and talking with you over the last two years is it's basically pre-planning it's like you do all the pre-planning pre-production setting up so whether it's creating video content getting students marketing you're doing all that before then during your 
I hate to use the word servicing students, but you are then helping students be successful, manage the university, manage the what it's like to be in an MBA or graduate program mm-hmm. or nursing program. And then post, I'm sure you're doing, you guys have an assessment, evaluation, et cetera. And then you're just looping that year after year after year and yep. helping uh, universities basically grow their their, their graduate programs. Yep. So, cool. Yep. What has, um, what's to you been like? I know you and I have, have had a kind of off podcast conversation, but what's it what's it been like? Share, share with me the, the ups, the wins, the, the downs, the pain points. And again, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Yeah. It's definitely been very different uh, than anything I've ever done. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and it's I guess it's like, it's it's very like, I, I don't know all the lingo sometimes of like startups and stuff, but it's yeah. like it's only been around for ten years. It is a publicly traded company. You know, it's huge global presence now, but I still feel like it's like a like very late stage startup. It kind of has like a tech company feel. You know, we're obviously but you know working in higher ed with the universities, but um, it is still a business and that's been kind of the growing pain is like you know we have to be very mindful of that and that's you know we can even have a, like accurate forecasts and um just kind of operate in that mindset and just try to balance that with like you know doing right by the students doing right by the university but it's like at the end of the day still sometimes it's going to come down to the numbers we just yeah. need to make sure those are clear but yeah i mean it's still just wild i think like still being able to talk and support students every single day but doing it in a vastly different environment um, and utilizing some of the best digital tools to do that. Um, like I just appreciate that kind of innovative mindset, the continuous improvement. And there's a lot that we're doing on a broad scale that is really trying to drive that future of education. Cause like the, um, you know, ironically <laughs> enough, we're in a WeWork, the WeWork partnership, like yeah. just offering that physical space to sort of manifest our digital programs like otherwise the students maybe like you know for our mba program for example the students do two immersions at some point you know throughout their time so two times in two years or you know they could go quicker or longer but those are the only times they have like legit face-to-face in-person interactions they can do more immersions and like you know we try to offer that opportunity but um yeah just like being a part of the team and this kind of like we um metaphor they use a lot it's just like it's the rocket ship it's just blasting off you're kind of on for the ride and it's like yeah we're growing quick and doing really cool work and i think it's that's the good stuff i really appreciate being a part of that i really appreciate still being able to work with students every day always still a little bit of growing pains just even after two years getting used to sometimes where it's like it's still a business sure. and that's what sometimes matters most in a particular moment but it ebbs and flows and i think they're they're really balancing those as best they can um with you know doing some like big strategic partnerships like we work and different acquisitions or just like improvements to our uh, learning management system and um and it's just like cool to be able to like go to work casual like yeah. and laid back work from home work yeah. remotely and like um you know work out of different offices we have and like just yeah i think it, it just very much broadens my horizon so that's just kind of like the wild part it's like good bad and just like yeah I, yeah, well, I think yeah. that's kind of what's cool. We're recording this at uh, you know ten thirty on a on a Tuesday morning, and uh, you have somewhat of a flex schedule and because you're you know you need to be with students later in the evening. But you know I think a lot of people might be fearful when they leave for for again better or worse working weekends and long hours and nights. But like you can still have a flex schedule in another job um, mm-hmm. and a lot of remote jobs things like that. But um, what have you? What do you learn 
Well, actually, let me take one step back. So the, the, you, you obviously, what's drawn you there is the personal development to help students and facilitate that leadership and, and, and kind of growth, which I think you love. And then I know you know I've talked about, you've alluded to here in the podcast, like you do have the metrics and, and like it is a growing business and there's numbers you need to hit, things like that. But what if you, if, if um, you were to job search or if you were to uh, tell somebody now, like what have you learned in the last years? Is there, is there a new skill set and would you, are you, are you happy that you kind of made that higher ed transition or adjacent transition to, a, to an ed tech company? Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's been very educational and I appreciate that they have kind of like kind of handbooks and guidances on like really purposeful and deep coaching methodologies um, because especially for a graduate program, we're getting adult learners, they're working full time, they have families and like making that decision to go back to school, you know, kind of getting a bachelor's degree or some sort of like your initial degree anymore it's kind of assumed or like some capacity it's just like a lot of people are like yeah i'm just doing it you know i have to or whatever no, but it's a big investment and sacrifice for people right that's the idea is that like most people don't or a lot of people don't have that mindset when they're initially going to college they just get their four-year degree for whatever because yeah. they think they have to or other people yeah. are telling them to whatever going back to school is a deeply personal decision yeah. that's a lot of like kind of where like kind of our higher ups heads are at right now because sometimes it's just like really difficult like how do we get more students you know like we're trying to grow these programs and like provide greater access to um you know education you know that can be hard sometimes or keeping students in the program so i think that's been a really good skill set to nurture is like coaching students through those really like difficult conversations of continuing their program or how are they going to start it or you know and persist and yeah, just like, you know, higher ed, even if you work at an institution, it's like, it's still a business. Like they still need to have money coming in and make sure they're investing in the right places. And it, the super unique economics of higher ed, there's been a little bit more of a light shown on that for me, which I appreciate, which I just have never had the benefit of getting into. Um, and just like how unique so many different schools are and like managing a partnership with a lot of different stakeholders. Cause like, like you said, like working at an institution, you're in the midst of those politics. Sure. Being outside of it, you, you know, you're lucky to be excluded a little bit, but like, it's just such a different way where it's like, it is a partnership in every sense of the word. And it's not about like keeping score. It's about cooperating. It's about communicating. It's like, you know, we just have to manage that every day and make sure that um, anybody's ego like doesn't get in the way kind of sure. thing. So. Yeah, I think that's, I, I that's kind of like watching people and just seeing that. That's almost just like something I observe, and then those other things. I'm just like my day to day of like how I have to operate. Like I've learned some skills. I'm just like showing I'm making the effort, even if like the numbers are like not quite there. It's like yeah. this is complicated, messy stuff. Like you know, again, the deeply personal decision to do a graduate program. But yeah, so I think like you're kind of alluding to like not writing off something just because it's different like to yeah. you is so unique but depending on what you're looking for you can yeah. find it at a place like that or anywhere else like even again within higher ed that's my world or what i know there's nonprofits, there's you know private companies public public companies yeah like stuff that's more at tech or stuff that's more just like um you know supporting something like different like fraternities sororities you know like yeah. there's so much different stuff out there and just not feeling like again you're you're stuck um 
anyone kind of thing. So that's, uh, it seems like yeah. you, um, a, a bonus of, of your five, six, seven years in traditional hired student affairs, you clearly are an asset because you can understand, you can kind of speculate, guess, or, or make pretty pretty spot on assumptions of like what's probably going on within that university or what the culture of that university is. Um, and I feel like you alluded to, and I think this is another, it's such a soft skill and it's so tough to put on a resume or sell an interview, but like, like you said, understanding people and understanding psychology and maybe when to speak up, when to not, when to do this and, you know, and, and how to have that savviness. And I'm sure even what you're doing outside of your to you job of just talking with people, this is such a good practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then just you, you're using this as a platform to like curate the, the best, you know, what are these people doing in their niches and things like that. So I think um, it's a good benefit to, to building your digital reputation. And I think it might be a good jumping off mark to kind of transition. So first of all, thank you for kind of diving into a little bit more about <laughs> yeah, to you yeah. and, and, and what, what's going well, what's going, things that you'd like to, you know, improve on and, and what you got out of it so far. Um, but actually let me, let me pause and ask like two or one or two like crazy questions. Um, and I, so I'm always fascinated, uh, you know, the name of this podcast is how I found a job. I love the niche is all about finding your niche and, and it's often not easy. It's evolving always. You know, I know so many people like, I found my niche, I love what I do. And then all of a sudden their boss leaves and it's like, well, did you love what you did or is it because you worked for a great boss or vice versa? Mm. Um, so I'm always about some adversity. And so I guess the question I have here on my list is, um, do you have like a favorite failure that has led you to this, six, for, from what I see, is some success in your, I mean, you're not 30 yet, right? You're under 30. Uh, 30 next uh, year. Okay, yeah. but uh, <laughs> has there been a favorite failure that's led you to some of this success? Or some favorite adversity failure. or sacrifice you've made? I think, yeah, I mean, like I said before, in general, the transitions for me have been really hard in terms of just like moving. I don't know where anything is and I don't have maybe like a network there, community, like, a, uh, you know, it's all my like friends I've known forever or whatever. And I've, I think I've managed that pretty well through those kind of trying transitions. Like it was, you know, going from Delaware to Rutgers, Rutgers to Maine, Maine to Maryland, DC then Maryland right I mean yeah. even that yeah it's like a lot of bounce around for yeah, six years just continuing to nurture so like that was yeah that was the adversity and just like a bit of a lesson learned of what I now appreciate looking back is just like nurturing digital connections keeping in touch with people even if they're far away and um, valuing the time that you have with people and stuff like just making it meaningful and just always appreciating that quality time but I don't know. I think, yeah, like other ones, like it was such a mixed bag being in Maine because I felt like I was kind of more isolated. It wasn't near a big city. Um, you know, I made some friends there, but then they moved away. It's cold most of the year. <laughs> and like the job I had there was just like not what I was looking for. You knew it wasn't a fit. You were kind of just doing it because you're, again, it was, yeah, it was yeah. gainful employment while I was there. I was, yeah. And again, what kept me there was I got to be with my wife, you know, my yeah. soon to be wife, you yeah. know, and, yeah. um, and that was, it was hard because it was just, it was laid back to a fault and I didn't realize how much I would not like that. Um, so that was like a tough two years where thankfully I had the podcast, the student affairs collective podcast mm -hmm. and I was continuing to write and try and put myself out there again, like utilizing digital, you know, my digital brand reputation, mm -hmm. So I think, I think that is like my favorite challenge is that like, it 
main, I think, tried its darndest to like suck the life out of me sure. in like a very dramatic sure. fashion. But, yeah. you know, I also had the opportunity to serve, which is just a completely unique thing. Um, but I really loved it. I was on a nonprofit board of a small nonprofit called uh, oh, Bangor Green Drinks. It was a sort of like uh, social uh, social meetup group, sustainability focused, super local um, kind of orientation. So, you know, they would just do monthly events, ask That's for cool. donations, spend the money in the community to put up like bike racks and refillable water bottle stations yeah. and like cigarette butts, you know, sure. vestibules sort of things. And like, it was, it was just a tight knit little community and just to be able to like be a part of that and help implement those events and like come up with ideas. That was just like, that was a year. Like that's yep. my second year there. That was pretty cool. Um, so like it, it's like you know, on a broader point, I think that's kind of like the cultural moment we're in right now is that like, it's really tough. A lot of bad things happening, but mm-hmm. out of that people being motivated to get things done and do better, you know, yeah. it's, it's that kind of like, you know what, if that's what comes out of this, in hindsight, it's going to be like, you know what? Maybe we all needed that kick in the butt to yeah. like get our stuff together. And for me, I was hoping, you know, I, I was like really excited to graduate and start doing the work. Again, you know, being in Maine, you know, trying to start just to like suck the life and motivation out of me. But I, I think I was further motivated to like make the most of what I could control. Yeah. Um, and that like, I think, yeah, really helped me out. I think the number one tip that I think a lot of people listening to this or any other way we put this out into the world is that even though you allude to that one or two years up in Maine was not your ideal job, it wasn't, you know, and it was the start of your career after grad school. But I think the cool thing is you found a couple things outside of your, there's no such thing as nine to five in student affairs, but you found something outside your nine to five that like, you could thrive in, you felt fulfilled in, and, and knowing more about you, it kind of found the things that you like, environment, ecosystem, things like that. So I think that's a big tip if like people aren't satisfied in their nine to five or, or what pays the bills, which is very tough to say, but like find something that like, even if it's one hour a week, two hours a week. And, and I think, you know, I have a good friend, Joanna down here that she landed her latest job because she was working in corporate. She landed her latest job because she was volunteering every weekend. Mm. And now she's working for an mm-hmm. awesome nonprofit. Yeah. And so I think sometimes after you make connections, you don't even see it. So yeah. um, let's, uh, let's do this because um, we're kind of towards the, the, the back half of this podcast. But and, and this is the meat of really why I want to interview you, your digital reputation. Your, whether it's Student Affairs Collective, Hired, Higher Ed Geek blog, now podcast. And even right now, as I alluded to earlier, it's like a, close to 11 o'clock in the morning. You could have... You know, worked from Baltimore, had a cup of coffee, slept in, yeah. worked out. But you, you make, you're making sacrifices to put out content into the world twice a week, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it's pretty regular. So, yeah. So what, <laughs> what are you? Why are you doing this? And have you gotten anything out of it? Good, bad, indifferent, or, or do you care if you get anything out of it? Or is it just something that you, you get to pump those creative juices? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a big thing for me. I really like with my podcast try to highlight the value of like creative hobbies um, and what they can give us through community skills, you know, just fulfillment. So if nothing else, it does that for me. It's a creative mm-hmm. outlet. And then also just the value of consistency and just like working at something. Cause yeah, it's, I've <laughs> after, cause yeah, I started the student affairs collective podcast in 2013 and I dropped off for a little bit, but started back up with the hired geek podcast. Like I 
So, you know, I've been podcasting for like four years now. Yeah, and before it was kind of cool. It was kind of in that middle stage. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah like, again, like this, like, you know, the uh, before cereal or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like I've always been a fan and just being able to be a part of the genre is fulfilling. And yeah, being able to put quality content out that helps people. Um, and I think now I'm, I'm very focused on trying to grow something bigger through doing stuff like connect edu which is a podcast network of other higher ed podcasters yeah and like you know helping other people start their shows so i've been helping to um, do some like production services and stuff so that's kind of like the big thing and it's like i I need resources to do that so it's trying to strike partnerships and sponsorships and um try to create that and like really invest in quality tools and tech and stuff and then Mm -hmm. yeah so for me personally i get a lot out of it and I want to make sure, because I, I think to some people, yeah, it could be like, I don't care if anybody else gets something out of it. It's yeah. just, you know, kind of for me, but I'm like, I know I do. And because of that, I'm fairly certain other people do. And yes, you know, it's like, yeah, I've made, uh, I guess as a recording of this, it's like 33 episodes, you know, I've got a couple on the shelf ready to come out. And people should know that's the back end of like student affairs collective that you guys were like two, 300 episodes. It was, am, I, am I overestimating? Almost 200. When I left, I think it was at like yeah. 150. So people yeah. might hear like 30, 34, but also he's putting out two pretty much a week in the last 15 weeks. So Right. Yeah. It's, it's not like you're kind of like, <laughs> eh, I'll do it Saturday. I'll do it next month. Like you're, this is a thing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's always been, that's a big lesson I learned is the value of consistency. So yeah. that's been like a major takeaway. Well, yeah. uh, and I want I have on my list here of like tips for podcasting, but, um, one more follow-up question about like the digital reputation. I, I you know, I think it's cool that it's, it, this is almost like, you know, I know so many people are like, well, how do I network? How do I meet people? I want to transition to this career. You know, do I send like a, 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 can I get 15 minutes of coffee with you? A cult, you know, or a, an informational interview, or do I send a LinkedIn message or do I, whatever. And I feel like what you're doing is whether you decide to leave to you, whether you go back to student affairs or not, or you go somewhere crazy, from those 33 and 50, 100 other episodes, I feel like those are 100 people that like, they know who you are. Like, I'm always shocked that like, holy crap, Dustin just had this person on his podcast? Like, the fact that like when we met up with like Ashley, Grant and all those people, and then like you'd be like, hey, you wanna be on my podcast? You just went from like strangers to this to now like, they're in your network. They'll mm-hmm. help you out, you'll help them out. Um, could you maybe speak to that? Or do you feel like that's a, it's a, it's a cool tool to like, this is an outlet, it's a, it's a, new, it's a new form of like connections and business cards yeah 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 i mean literally yeah because i mean i you know always want to do a little bit of like light research on people and know a little bit about their background so i could like hey you know i'm really curious about this thing that you did you know maybe like three years ago so yeah i'm connecting with people on linkedin and that's you know kind of like like digital business card um and yeah i mean it's just it's a good excuse to talk to people you have a new reason it's not just like can we grab 15 minutes of coffee like what's going to come out of this right yeah because i think that's understandably it's going to be like well am i going to give everybody 15 minutes just for who knows what so yeah it's a good excuse to just grow a network and like i said i get a lot out of it i always want to structure in a way that i i am confident that other people will get something out of it and um yeah i mean it's just it's a muscle that i've nurtured for a while and that's why i'm trying to help other people and just like uplift shows and new voices and stuff but it's yeah, just been an invaluable tool. And when I like took a break from it, eventually I like, I had that itch again, where it's just like, I just like, I, there's such a need for it. I think within just like higher ed in general, but then I'm trying to like bring in some different, like Mm -hmm. people working like, you know, a full-time Twitch streamer, like they play video games all the time and like they're building a community and they're connecting with people and they have to like basically be like, you know, kind of a freelance and like entrepreneur of their own kind of brand and stuff. So 
yeah, it's, it's really cool that way. And I think, yeah, it's just like I'm building, which again, subconsciously I knew, or I, I know now and perhaps subconsciously knew before of just like how valuable that is and like mm-hmm. moving around a lot and all that, you know, if I'm taking a trip somewhere, I could probably look somebody up and meet up just to sure. have, you know, that in-person contact, but then just like being able to, um, you know, see what people are talking about online and just like share ideas and, you know, be inspired. That and and, and you kind of, as the owner of it, you can decide like, do you want to talk about video games and Twitch? Do you want to talk about coffee? Do you want to talk about student affairs and higher ed? Like right. we're doing, but um, the, the last question before, I, and I'd love for you to think of two or three podcasting tips for people out there. But before we get into that, um, we talked kind of off air of kind of my new phenomenon and I'm trying to curate some information on is people that have, digital reputation, digital brand, often they have to have it because they're working for themselves or something, or they have a side hustle. Uh, you do have a side hustle, but if you could maybe just sum up, um, what if, if you, you met another person that had your similar background, that had no digital presence, and they're like, well, Dustin, why, why, sh- why should I vlog, blog, podcast, be on LinkedIn? Be, like, what would you say to them? Um, like, do you think it's important to have a digital reputation if you're working full time? Not that you're trying to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. I think is a big thing for where I'm at now. Something that they're really encouraging is that like, hey, if you like where you work, when you want more good people working here, like referring people or just sharing out the valuable things that we're doing. So I think it's really good that way to just like highlight the awesome things that you're working on or that your company is doing or anything like that, just uplift other, other people's voices. Um, cause I think half the time I'm retweeting more than I actually tweet. Like, I'm yeah. just like, you know, I read this or like this person made a really good point. Like I am just humble by, you know, by default. Yeah. So I'm like, that person said it better than I could. So, yeah. you know, I'm just like being able to add to that kind of discourse. And then, um, this has been, you know, this has been five years for me doing this. It's awesome. really hard to have, you know, an overnight kind of like explosive growth. It's like the consistency and just continuing to put yourself out there and distinguish yourself because you, you never know where your next opportunity might come mm-hmm. from or just if you need help with the project or um, if somebody else is job searching, you might be able to like, you know, if you're just putting yourself out there regularly, they might be like, hey, I'm, I'm moving to your area. I'm, I'm looking for something, you know, like I like helping people. So it sure. helps with that. So it's, there's just so much value in it, even if, because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. So just mm-hmm. like, you have to kind of like build your network before you need it. I feel like a lot of people talk about yeah. that and it's been, give a shout out to, I'll give a shout out to, uh, to Tony duty. He said that to me years ago and he says that to a lot of people and he actually, uh, I think just announced he's going to Udell. Yeah. but, yeah. um, <laughs> this will be out after all that stuff. But, uh, I, I can't agree more. I think one of the things that I would put on that too is, is, um, and maybe, I don't know if you, have you ever heard of the podcast design matters with, by Debbie Milliman? Oh no! Yeah. So she was doing podcasting like, oh three, oh four, like like when it was kind of hip and cool, and then it went away. Yeah. Um, but she has a great um, talk on ninety nine U called uh, "Anything Worthwhile Takes Time," and she for for years, like five, six, seven, eight years, like she was paying and doing podcasting, kind of like you, like out of pocket on her own time, until like she kind of like, got some traction. And her 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 whole other career was a graphic designer. I think she designed like the Kit Kat label, Tropicana. Like she worked for a big agency, but like this was her side thing, and now now she's her own personal brand. Like in her, she's 55, and so I think a lot of people are like, "Well, I'm 28, I'm 33, or I'm whatever." Like I've been doing this for years. Like 
this could take take time. Last question, and then podcasting tips, and I have some rapid fire. Um, why podcasting? Why not a vlog? Why not video? Why not Instagram stories? Why not LinkedIn video? Why not? And I know you do write too. And you're a good yeah, writer. Yeah. But why podcasting? Why is that the outlet? Real quick. I think yeah, that's always been the main driver. I've, I've written for years too, and I. The funny little anecdote of that is that like when I was a kid, I thought I'd be an author. I was like, what do you want to be to grow up? It's like, I'm an author. So I think that's that kind of manifesting. But I've been told I have a voice for radio. So uh, yeah. maybe I'm following that. And I think it's just, it's a very nimble way to have good conversations. Like it's, you're focusing on what you're saying, what you're communicating, making sure it's sort of understood. And I think people, it's more space to have deeper conversations than like people might be willing to do, you know, yeah. video or something. So I've always uh, appreciated that aspect of it. Cool. Yeah. Well, you, you inspire me and I'm glad that you're kind of my first reignite of, of our guest here. And, <laughs> yeah, and again, yeah. I think we're up to some cool things and um, well, I guess one of the things, and I, I'll probably have alluded to already, but one of the cool things why we're doing this is to build context because um, you've expressed in just what we're doing in the niche room is trying to create more opportunities for people to co-host episodes, cross promote their own internal content, and, and you'll see more of that, but that's one of the reasons you and I are doing this. But let, let's bridge that and then rapid fire and we'll wrap this up. Um, two or three quick tips on podcasting. If someone's getting into this, um, you could either go gearhead and go that side, tech side, production, mark, like what would be two or three things or interviewing? What would be two or three tips you would offer to somebody? Yeah, um, consistency is huge. Figure out what that means to you because it doesn't need to be weekly, bi-weekly, you know, like... Once it, a month. Right, but be consistent in it so people know what to expect. Um, yeah, my experience has been it, you can get started pretty quickly and easily. Um, when I did the Hire a Geek podcast, I already knew what I was doing, but like I was able to do it even quicker having done it before. And I, I taught myself within a month how to start the Student Affairs Collective one, so... If you're interested, it's pretty easy and you can minimal investment and um, just, you know, uh, I so think it can be investment. I know we're using two different microphones, but you're, you, you could do this for like less than a hundred bucks. Right? Yes. You can get yeah. started yeah, quickly and for less than a hundred dollars. And it's, it's a great different kind of medium and content tool to like, you know, put yourself out there. So, um, and I think, yeah, just making sure you're controlling as much as you can kind of prepping and kind of encouraging people because. A lot of times you might record in person. If you are, try to control the elements as much as you can. And encourage people to, you know, use their headphones, be in a quiet. Like, because yep. sometimes if you're getting discouraged because like, oh, it sounds bad, you know, doing all that. It's like, just make sure you're like very simple things can help a lot. Sure. And obviously, yeah. you don't So, need, so what would you know, be one or two simple things? Yeah. Like, you talk about consistency. You yes. talked about getting into this could be easy as, as a $100 Yeti mic and then prepping or, or environment. And like I said, when we came in, I'm like, I was pretty pumped that this room's kind of conducive. Oh, there's some draining pipes, but but what would be one of those prep things or, or yeah, conducive I mean, things? Yeah, just uh, a quiet place, good network connection, each person using headphones, because if it's like speakerphone and it's kind of like feedback, um, and um, yeah, just like letting them know kind of generally what you're going to talk about, because I know some people are going to be very un uncomfortable sure. not knowing what's coming. You know, you might just want to be like, here's literally the questions I'm going to ask, or here's generally what we're going to talk about. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, any way you do a little professional stalking or, or insider, like to prep on somebody and any little tip or, or, or maybe you don't want to reveal that <laughs> or do you do that? I, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And I think LinkedIn is my best friend. I'll say that that's probably cool. the biggest thing that I'll do. And like, I'll, I'll probably know of the person and what they're doing ahead of time. And then I'll want to just know 
kind of what their path was. So if they're kind of just like, oh, you know, I did whatever. I'm like, no, you know, like I want to talk more about that. That's really interesting to me. Um, and having a little bit of background. So that's probably the easiest thing that everybody can really kind of dive in with is uh, LinkedIn. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'll give you a chance to, and obviously in the intro, uh, I've hopefully we've already done this, but I'll give you a minute here in, in a second uh, or a minute to talk about a little bit more where people can find out about you, the, the, your podcast, all that stuff. But I'm going to go through like three or four, we'll say rapid fire, but kind of like top of mind. So to give you a little fair warning, I, I, st- I was like, Last night I was like, where's that article I read? So when, we, when Courtney and I were on vacation, we were sitting at a bar in California and she found this article, I think from like Inc or Fast Company. And it was like seven questions to like ask yourself or, or like, um, and so Courtney asked me, I asked her and, and it kind of took me some time to think about them, but um, they're a little bit insightful. So I'm pulling some from this article. Um, what is the highlight of your week or day? I love coming home to my dog and my I knew wife. You were going to say that. Yeah, that's always nice. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, Jen. Yeah. Uh, well, no, yeah, like both of the, I mean, obviously yeah. the dog runs to greet me you and said then just dog being, first. Yeah. Because um, it's like, yeah, it's just, I, I feel always bad when I'm like, oh, hey, like, I'm just like, all right, I got to go. I would like, say the same thing. Yeah. So that's, yeah, after a long day coming home and just like, you know, having that to come home to is amazing. Yeah. Cool. Uh, if you were guaranteed to succeed, uh, what would you do? I would go all in on the podcast network because that would be like the passion project just to uplift voices and to allow for just people to have that opportunity and to improve things through that, like sort of like putting that energy out there. So that that's like literally more realistically like what I would do versus like, I don't know, like having a superpower that allowed me to like do anything that I wanted. But yeah, that's like kind of my, my, pipe dream right now that i'm trying to work towards like realistically so if i knew that i could just like drop everything go all in i'd be like let's do it let's go for it yeah it's gonna happen yeah um favorite craft beer right now that's not one of these questions uh what i just got a growler of uh this past weekend was um waverly brewing their pilsner i think it's like pedon or something like so it's that's the joke i think um it's their pilsner uh and it was really good and i think they're now cementing themselves as my favorite baltimore brewery so all right so people visiting inner harbor baltimore area waverly brewery waverly cool let's give them we'll give them a shout out um what was your dream job growing up yeah, what I mentioned before, I always thought I was going to be an author. Why? I don't know. But that was, uh, yeah, that was the job. Still in the cards. Yeah. Um, so I always go the other way when I interview young professionals. I, I always say, um, you know, if you could if you could tell your college senior, 22-year-old self advice, what would you tell them? I'm flipping the script. And so I, I'm going to say, what advice would your 80-year-old self tell your current self? So 80 year old Dustin was like, Hey, like, like it's going <laughs> right. to like you did this or, yeah, or, yeah. or advice, you know, what would, what would 80 year old Dustin tell 29 year old Dustin? Wow. I feel like I've had, I mean, I, and I love the time travel premise of this. Um, I've thought about this in a particular context. I think it would be the same thing, which would be like the poetic narrative arc for the movie or TV episode that is, me telling my younger self something, but then also my older self telling my current is like, it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Because it's always just that anxiety of like, 
the risk and the uncertainty and just like, you know, being an adult can be frustrating and hard sometimes. And Bills, just like moving jobs, dual, dual career. Yeah. It's just, so, yeah. Cause it's the idea of like running out of dog food and like, right. It's just like stressing about stuff all yeah. the time. And it's just like, cause it's, I care and I want to do right and all that. So like the idea of like not wanting to like, <laughs> just really upholding the time travel. Like you don't want to create a paradox. Just like, it's yeah. all going to be okay. Yeah. It's cliche, but yeah, sometimes you just got to like, Take that deep breath and whether you can tell that to yourself or sometimes like that's my wife or that might be Jen or that might be some or your boss. Like somebody just could be like, hey, it's all right. Yeah. Um, two more kind of rapid fire. Um, what has been a book that's influenced you most? There's like a whole collection of like nerdy books on my shelf. Um, and I think it, there's one called like American Nerd. There's a geeks shown here at the earth those were really helpful for me when i started higher ed geek and appreciating what it means to be geeky and all that so those were yeah they're gonna stay on my shelf forever just because I, I love them and what they you know sort of offered me in that time when i was kind of like figuring that stuff out i'm just like do i need to be different it's like no you are good as you are obviously improve upon yourself and what you are is valuable and put that kind of out into the world your own creative unique you know, sort of voice. So. Awesome. Uh, last one is going to be A and B questions. So um, part A is who else do you think is uh, either creating or has an awesome digital reputation um, that doesn't work for themselves? And the B question to that is, is there somebody that you would be dying to interview that you haven't already? There's a guy. Uh, so I, I feel like it's like, I almost want to like, <laughs> invest in him right now he's a fellow to you um ken espinoza he just started a youtube channel called baltimore bite and he's done a couple episodes Sweet. i hope to do an episode with him sometime like be on his show maybe he'll be in one um but i just watching a couple you know i know him so i want to support him but i'm just like he's like on to something just the like he um did our uh, communications program and i think he's always had an interest in you know videography and stuff so i'm just like you know he's he's working full time, but now he's starting this YouTube channel. This is his version of Hired Geek, though Baltimore Bite. Yep, he yeah, huge foodie, loves food, and you know, um, that's so that's awesome. yeah, the one that I would like to uplift. And then dream guest, I think it would have to be. It's like broadly like anybody who's like been in Star Wars, like because that's been one of my longest running geekdoms. So. Um, and like probably one of the newer ones. So maybe like, like John Boyega, I've listened to some podcasts with him and he's like a really cool guy. So that would, that would be like the, a dream just to okay. be, we'll know. try to tweet at him when this comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dustin, I'm so glad that we, we got this going and, and we reverse script because I, I can't thank you enough for the two or three student affairs collectives and the one of the one or two yeah, of the higher ed yeah. episodes. It's, uh, it's, I'm very uh, in debt and grateful to you for doing that. But it's it's your turn. Give a give a shout out. Uh, I know you you got your links and stuff. But but where do you want to drive people to? What are you working on? And, and if people want to get in touch with you, yeah yeah. Um, all my work is on higheredgeek.com. Um, you can go to higheredgeek.com/podcast for all the episodes. Um, and you can just find the other work that I do um, on Twitter and Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, Facebook page. Um, all higher ed geek for all that stuff. So, um, 
Yeah. I mean, just definitely, I mean, the blog is probably the main hub. I appreciate people checking that out and just uh, always nice to hear what people enjoy if they liked a particular episode of the uh, podcast or uh, blog post or something. But um, yeah, just look forward to connecting with folks. Uh, Any any help you need, anything you're working on um, that you want to allude to or anything cool in the pipeline? Um, yeah, I think connecting to you is kind of on my mind a lot. It's just trying to get that out there and understood. And like, cause I don't think there's a lot like that of like a higher podcast network. And I think, yeah, like I'm trying to build out, um, helping people with their podcasts more. So like mm-hmm. offering my podcast production services and all that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so if people like I can help you with that, but also just like, I'm still kind of figuring out a lot of the kind of, um, sort of um, managing sort of like a freelance business kind of thing, trying to, you know, optimize that kind of stuff to make sure that I'm, you know, creating good contracts and just like, you know, managing all of that because I I hope that it grows to be something, you know, pretty meaningful. Um, so advice for me on that, I appreciate. I am happy to provide my um, sort of tips and tricks on podcasting uh, and all that. So um, yeah, it's kind of where my head's at right now. Yeah. Cool. Dustin, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate the time. Well, everybody that made it this far, I really hope that you enjoyed our conversation that we had with Dustin. Again, as I mentioned in the beginning of uh, the intro of this podcast, and perhaps you maybe skipped over it, the reason we were interviewing Dustin and a few more of our our contributing editors for the Niche Room blog is we're now going to use this audio platform as a way to contribute content. So you no longer have to if you're not a writer, you don't have to write. You can record audio and it could be uh, as, as low key as on your phone or using some podcasting gear or maybe you have audio content or podcast episodes that you think would align with uh, the niche movement. You know, our whole basis of helping young professionals find their niche, find a career they love and, and really rethink the traditional career strategy out there. So whether it's sharing success stories, adversity and vulnerability, or just different tips on personal branding, career searching, interviewing. We'd love to to welcome you to use this platform, this audio platform to do so. So again, this is the How I Found a Job That I Love podcast, uh, put together by the Niche Movement and and our wonderful team here of interns and editors. And if you'd like to be on the podcast, please uh, DM us uh, at Niche Movement on Twitter or Instagram, or feel free to reach out to us or you can directly email me. Kevin at the nichemovement.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and have an excellent day.